Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And here we come to the end of our season one, I'm going to say, I'm already going to say it, of our Last of Us mini-series. We'll be back. Uh, oh, but yeah. This, yo, I'm so excited. All right. This one is the big one, the big boy, the big as my friend Katie describes, the bloaters. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> today we are talking about the finale. I have a lot to say. I've been agonizing over it. Oh, my. It's going to be all over the this, place, but it's going to be fun. And this outline has been prepared since day one. Yes. Yes. I think I might have even done it before I'd seen one episode. I think I already had this. <laughs> I don't think you did because we didn't know for sure we were going to do this until episode one. That is true. And I am going to talk about some of the stuff I alluded to in that episode before I knew we were going to do this. Um, but I, I think sometimes I just make outlines with the hope that one day I'll get to talk about it. And this is something I have a lot to say about. So do a lot of people. So it's going to be You do make outlines. I, I, do <laughs> I do. Just randomly, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, so uh, there will be spoilers for all nine episodes of uh. The Last of Us HBO Max series. Uh, the finale aired on March 12th. So if you haven't watched it yet, put a pause, uh, go and do it. They are not sponsors, which is a mistake. Travesty. It is. It's a travesty, just like the one that happened in this episode. Um, (laughs) So this is something that, uh, thanks to Samantha and her uh, encouragement, we decided to do, where a week after the most recent episode comes out, we react to, we recap to it and react to it. And it has been replacing my happy hours. So that's a bi-weekly thing. I know our schedule is a bit of a mess. Uh, it comes out on Saturday, yes. Uh, but this is the final one. So we will be returning to 
our regular schedule, I think. Maybe with more Last of Us content. Maybe. But it's disguised as happy hour. Yeah. You know I like to do that. You know I like to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so we are talking about mainly the finale in this one, which was called Look for the Light, uh, which is, the title is a mirror of the first episode, When You're Lost in the Darkness, was the title, was the title of that one. This is Look for the Light, because we have come full circle. You can see our upcoming episode on... Marlene, who is very pivotal in this episode. It will have spoilers as well. If you don't mind season two slash game two spoilers, because yes, they've announced season two and three, I believe. Um, the episode we did on women in survival horror has more on some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, probably put more eloquently, because this is just kind of me throwing thoughts and an outline. Um, so <laughs> also the episode we did on Ellie, but that one will spoil everything for you. So I wouldn't recommend it if you don't want any spoilers. But if you if you do, it's available to you. Yes. Content warning for this one. Uh, suicidality. Brief mention of that. Uh, violence, um, particularly like child endangerment, perhaps. Uh, but overall, yeah, violence and suicidality, I think, are the big ones in this one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and thanks to you, Samantha, as always, for hosting these watch parties at your your home. Um, it was great. It was it's lovely. It's been fun. The last <laughs> one was a St. Patrick's Day themed with a Korean yeah. splashed in there. It was delicious. It was delicious. And I cried the whole time. But she cried the whole time. She brought decorations like she was I ready. Did. <laughs> I did bring decorations. I was so ready. <laughs> uh, well, Samantha, can you give us your excellent recap? All right. So it's a short episode, but it has mm -hmm. so much in it. And it opens up with what we see as a woman running through the woods. We get the back of our head. There was a lot of controversy. Was, Who is that during the mm -hmm. interview? I knew because IMDb. Anyway, <laughs> so as we are watching, it turns out to be a woman who is very pregnant running into a farmhouse saying, hello, I'm here. Where are you? No one's there. She runs into a room. She locks the door and then shoves a chair there. We hear that she is obviously going into labor, real struggles. At that mm -hmm. same time, we see a clicker. Or a zombie. What are they? Are they a runner? What are they called? At I think that point? was a clicker. Uh, infected. Infected. Oh, just runner infected. Okay. Infected, yeah. So they run in and she is having an epic battle. We see a knife that we've seen before. Hint, hint. Uh, and then we see an epic stabbing of the neck, which we saw before as well. Um, and then her sitting there and realizing, oh, God, she gave birth at the same time. Oh, God, I got bitten on my leg. She quickly cuts in umbilical cord and she is talking to the baby, talking about how tough they are. It turns out it's Ellie. And yes, this is mom, mom Anna, who was played by Ashley Johnson. Yes, she is significant. We love her. We love her voice. As time goes on, it grows dark. We see Marlene and obviously some fireflies coming in, realizing that the door's uh, locked, but get in, go upstairs, finding Anna sitting by herself with the baby. And then Marlene realizes quickly that she has been bit. Um, and at that point, Anna's like, Ellie, this is my baby. Take her to give her to someone who would care for her. She was not infected. I was bitten after. Uh, I cut the umbilical cord. And then once you take her, you must kill me um, because she is bitten. Marlene, and it turns out that Marlene and Anna have been friends all their lives and they've known each other forever. Um, Marlene just says she can't do it. She can't kill her. But Anna is pleading. We turn back around. Marlene gives the baby to another firefly. Marlene comes back and executes her, essentially. And we 
jump to present day where we see a traumatized Ellie walking about and just obviously looking into the distance as Joel is trying to talk to her. Obviously, very different conversations now because he's being very caring and over the top, like, hey, 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 how are you? Um, finding a Chef Boyardee can of food, hoping that she would get excited, as well as Boggle, which I don't think was in the was in the actual yeah. game, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about how, you know, this is the one thing that he would get beaten by. He can't play it very well. Mm-hmm. And he's she's obviously in the distance. He's like, Do you would you like that? She's like, sure, why not? Talks about the guitar that he found and thinking and telling her that, hey, what if I found one and teach you how to play the guitar? She's still distracted, but she's like, sure, sure, sure. So they they go on to getting closer to their place. They have this whole thing about like, okay, we're here. What are we going to do? And she's like, I know you want us to, you want me to go in, let you in, go to the top and look for and scout out a route, blah, blah, blah. He makes a joke. He's like, no, we're going to go and um, cause a big explosion and just run everything down. And she's like, really? He's like, no. So fun times. They go in. He says, I'm going to lift you up there, send the ladder down. And he, this is a part of the game, by the way, that's the whole thing. So he pushes her up and she throws down the ladder. And she's like, oh my God, just look, you have to come see this. And he's freaking out. And he's like, Ellie, stay put, stay put. And then he runs all the way up and she comes to a giraffe. Yes. And it is a scene. I do remember this scene in the game uh, where they find a giraffe and she's like, wow, you can't beat this view. It's a very sweet moment. She's kind of coming back to herself, giggling and having a good time feeding this giraffe. Um, and having a moment together as they continue the journey. He kind of talks about all his trauma and what he has gone through and talks about the fact that he had, you know, uh, they came to a barracks where the army had set up a medical tent for those that could be possibly infected. And she was trying to like, oh, who would have used this? He's like, I used this. And she's like, oh, was this when you and Sarah got injured? And he's like, no, after that. And she's like, oh, was it when that dude missed you shooting you? And he's like, well, yeah. And then he tells the whole story about how uh, he had actually tried to shoot himself, missed and flinched, and that's the first time he'd ever done it, and he didn't know why, um, but he doesn't regret it now. And she's like, yeah, I don't regret it either. I know why you told me to do uh, the story, to just to keep going. And he's like, no, just know that I'm here, blah, blah, blah. So it was really a bo- good bonding experience that I just blah, 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 but it's okay. <laughs> As they keep going, they're having a good conversation about how we don't have to go here. You, you and I could just do our own thing, go back to Tommy's and we can go home. And she was like, I have to do this. This is my purpose. What was the point of everybody's sacrifice if I don't do this? Um, but after this, I'll go anywhere with you. We can do these sheep farmers or whatever, but I will go with you after we get this done. So they trek through and all of a sudden, oh no, we see a bomb. And he's like, oh no, let me throw myself in front of her. And both of them kind of get knocked out. And he's like, Ellie, Ellie. And someone comes over and he gets kicked in the head and then push, his lights are out. Next thing we see is he's waking up in the middle of the hospital room and Marlene is there. And he's like, what is going on? And she's like, calm down, calm down. My people attacked you. They didn't know who you were, but now you're safe. And he's like, where's Ellie? And she, he's like, she's here. She's getting prepped for surgery. He's like, I want to see her. She's like, no, you can't. And then says that the doctor says, oh, we can probably get a cure by doing these things because she is immune and they think she's already got cordyceps and they're going to do these things. And he's like, wait, the cordyceps live in the brain. She's like, correct. Um, and at that point, he's like, how dare you can't do this. It'll kill her. She's like, you know, we have to do this. This is for the humanity. Um and we, at this point, we know that no one's talked to Ellie. She's like, I didn't tell her anything. I didn't want her to worry. I just, you know, let her do her thing, all this stuff. She's like, you know, I can't believe you made it this up far. You're one of the few. How did you do it? Good job. But now that you've done it, we're going to get follow through with this. And she has her people escort him out. 
with a bag and says that if he does anything, shoot him. So obviously, like, uh, yeah, this is a really tense moment. So he gets escorted out, and we see him doing some things, scouting some things, and all of a sudden doing his little thing and then killing all the peoples. So he turns the gun, and he goes through the entire hospital, just mowing people down, real gruesome, real gross, real sad, um, and coming to find where... Ellie is in the operating room where the doctor pulls up a scalpel and he's like, what are you doing in here? And he's like, unhook her. He's like, I won't let you take her. The doctor says this, in which Joel's response to shoot him in the head, um, which makes everybody scream. And then he tells the nurses to unhook her. He grabs her while he tells the nurses to turn around. He doesn't shoot them, which is unlike the game. He does shoot them in the game. But as he carries her out, uh, we see her in the elevator and he's having a moment of like, <gasps> obviously like a lot of heart and a lot of thoughts going through his head. And then we, as he gets to the car that he has found, Marlene approaches him, trying to reason with him, saying... You know, we can fix this. We can do this. This has to happen. And he's like, you know, you can't choose for her. And she's like, neither can you. And then also saying, you know, this is what Ellie would want. And, you know, it's obvious this is what Ellie wanted. Um, Most likely she would have wanted it even if it did mean her death because she needed her life to mean purpose. That's me reading into things, whatever. But as we continue on, they're having this back and forth. And he shoots Marlene after Marlene puts her gun down trying to be reasonable runs to the car. Next scene we see is him driving the truck with Ellie waking up, kind of drugged. And he's like, hey, 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 it's okay. It's okay. You're with me. It's the drugs. It's the drugs. And she's like, what happened? And he was like, you know, uh, turns out there was others who had been immune and nothing was working. So he just grabbed her and he was like, you know, and and they've got plenty more people to work with. It just doesn't work, but they don't need you. And she's like, well, did anybody get hurt? And he's like, Yes. And then she's like, Marlene. And he doesn't really respond. And then she's like, why? Where's my clothes? He's like, well, raiders came through. So, uh, you know, we had to move real quickly and I could barely get you out of there. And then she just kind of after. And then she asks the Marlene question. He doesn't answer. And she just kind of rolls over. And that's what we see. But come back to the flashback and we realize that Marlene is still alive after he shot her in the stomach and grunting. And he's like, you know, she's like, you can, you don't have to do this. Don't, you don't have to kill me. And he's like, you'll come after if I don't. So he shoots her, kills her dead. And then we come back. Um, Their car stalls out. And then they are um, near the mountain. He's like, five-hour hike. We can do that. She's like, yes, we can do that. And as they uh, walk through, uh, they finally make it to, he's talking about his daughter and about how much they would like each other and all these things. He's very, he's talking an awful lot, kind of like he's talking out of guilt. Um, and then right before they hit the they hit the village, they, they can see the town that is at, from the top and that we made it, essentially. And before they get there, she's like, I have to know you know, I want to tell you about the first time I killed somebody and she talked about Riley. And then she was like, but I need you to talk, promise me, swear to me that what you said to me about the fireflies was true. What happened in the hospital was true. And he goes, I swear. And then she makes a face. She says, okay, end scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was a moment with a pun book. He was like, I want more there puns. Was. And Annie's favorite pun before they the get uh, jumped was the grapes uh-huh. pun. He gave it a three. Out of 10. Yeah, yeah. And Annie's crying right now. There's tears in her eye. Ending, I tell you. Oh, my God. (laughs) I want to say it's because of my fantastic dramatic recap, but I believe it's just her thinking about it. It can be both. It can be both. (laughs) 
for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. That was a fantastic dramatic <laughs> recap. Thank you, Samantha. <laughs> it is interesting because this is the shortest one, mm-hmm. um, but the ending is so pivotal. And there's so much to say about it that uh, they do pack in a lot in it. Um, they do. I feel like it's very reminiscent of the game because it goes whoosh, whoosh, whoosh and yeah. end. Mm-hmm. But it is impactful, but you're not going to know why it's impactful until season two. Yeah, that's part of the reason it upsets me so much. Yeah. Uh, I will have a few <laughs> I will have a few vague hints to it, but no spoilers at all, I promise. Um Yeah. But it, it, yeah, and it is in the game. It is very, very loyal to the game. There are a few character differences that I have been talking about. I'm going to talk about more in a second. But like pretty much that's what happens is like after this horrifying thing in winter where Ellie goes through this really traumatic experience, it cuts to spring. Again, it's split into seasons. And it just very quickly wraps up like to the point you're kind of shaken by it uh, about how quickly things go from oh this could be a hopeful ending to oh wow (laughs) what just happens and as you were kind of calling out there were several callbacks in this episode to early episodes I think I'm pretty sure Joel's wearing the same shirt uh, at the end that he was wearing like right at the beginning of the outbreak in Boston um, that can't deny that view line Five Mile Hike, the guitar, the puns, of course, uh, Riley, the Chef Boyardee. And I feel like it was a really good way to show this like journey that we've all been on <laughs> over the past nine episodes. And I did want to call out a, a few things before we get into the crux of this, which is these choices made at the end. Um, 
One being Ashley Johnson, who played Anna, uh, Ellie's mother. She was amazing. She was amazing. We've said it before in previous podcasts and episodes of this, um, but she was the voice actor, emotion capture person for Ellie. She kind of like really embodied that role for a lot of people became Ellie. And like, so when I was watching it, you hear her voice and it's hard not to think of Ellie at first. But I do think they did a really good job and they talked about that with Bella Ramsey where that was one of the reasons they put this scene in the game that in the show that is not in the game. You don't see Anna uh, giving birth to Ellie. You don't see her dying. But kind of this like playing the mother of the character sort of giving birth to Ellie and almost a passing of the torch. But Bella Ramsey has become Ellie too in her own right. Like So I think they did like an excellent job with that but that was really really cool <laughs> to see her to see her do it um also no spoilers but if you know you know pretty sure abby was in it you can see her i've like yes, spotted we got it. a tiktok video from me or no uh, was yeah, it, TikTok? Got, it was an uh, article Twitter. yeah uh-huh. it, it, once you see it you're like oh yeah that was probably her um also the the voice actor laura bailey is one of the nurses uh, at the end. So that's super cool, the voice actor of Abby. As I mentioned in the last episode, one of my favorite things about this section is how it starts, where, as you're saying, Ellie was very despondent. She's distant. I like that that she doesn't just, like, bounce back from this horrible thing that's happened to her, and it clearly impacts her and stays with her. Um, I do love this because I feel like I got my TikTok friends I got my Reddit friends. Uh, Katie, who was part of our viewing parties, is my Reddit friend, uh, one of them. And she was telling me about this like really powerful thread she found about um, rape survivors who found a lot of power in this depiction of Ellie. So I thought that was really interesting. Through that, you do see all of these instances of Joel trying to cheer her up that are just kind of not working. Like, Mm -hmm. she's playing along with it, but she's kind of like, um... And the giraffe is one of the most... It was a real giraffe. It's so cool to see how they shot it. There was some CGI, but it's a real giraffe. Oh, it's so neat. And they were talking about how they had to leave it in because it is one of those, like, sweet scenes where you get to see Ellie still have that kind of innocent curiosity that she has had. And... In the game, you can watch that scene for as far, as far as I know, forever. Like eventually the drafts leave, so you're just staring off into the distance. But you have to make the choice to kind of, as Joel, to interrupt Ellie and be like, hey, we don't have to do this if you don't want to do it. And that's when Ellie has her like, no, after everything I've done, we have to see this through. But this brings us to what I love I have seen several headlines calling it the Great Joel Debate. (laughs) 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 Oh, I love it. Um, And Bella Ramsey, we mentioned it previously, but she did say she knew this was going to happen, as did we who have played the game. It's it's been there. Um, But like a massive divide in the fan base about this. It's kind of like the trolley problem, but to the nth degree. Um, And I, I... Well, I have a lot of thoughts about it. I think that, as I said in the first episode, when I didn't know this was going to be a series, I made the point that in the final scene where you're making your way to Jackson, back to Tommy's, 
after all of this violence has happened, after Joel has lied to Ellie, you're playing as Ellie, um, which I think is important that you're getting kind of her POV that they made that choice very deliberately. Um, and she's still very out of it and clearly wrestling with this turn of events. But I just think that was purposeful that, that they have that final scene that you're playing as her. And it is one of the most haunting endings I've ever played. Like, I, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. And they did, that, like, that shot, it's just her face that's the final shot. And she's clearly, like, struggling with what to do here and what to believe. And that is, that is a really big part of her story, as we've been talking about, that survivor's guilt. Um, and that's when she's saying, you know, first it was Riley, and then it was Tess, and then it was, you know, she's listing off all these people who died specifically from infected. Um, and her feeling like that's her fault. If she could, she could fix this, that that is her fault. Um, and that, that is something she just struggles with so much. Um. And people, I'm telling you, people are interviewing philosophers, they're interviewing psychologists, they're interviewing professors about this, about what went down here, <laughs> about what Joel did. And it does go back to that question that they posed, we posed earlier, and they posed earlier in like the behind the, the scenes of like, what would you do for love? Like the dark side of love, taking it to the really far end of that dark spectrum of love, like how many will you kill? How many will you condemn? And one of the things I keep going back to is that I feel like there is also a conversation to be had here around agency and loneliness and love. Because one of the things I feel, and this is up for interpretation, I know, but I feel like Joel... He does love Ellie, but I think he's more concerned about loneliness and what will happen to to him without her. I think a lot of people, and I'm going to get into this in a second, a lot of people try to really explain his actions or like why they're they're okay. And a lot of times it comes out, well, it was, did it for love, which is not an acceptable answer in my opinion. But also, <laughs> I think there's also a layer of it. I think it's complex, but I do think he was really... There was a selfishness to it. I don't even know if that's the right word, but he didn't want to be alone anymore. He didn't want to go through this loss again. So it was that uh, as well. And if you go back and look at like the whole love me the way I want you to line with Bill and Frank and, you know, Frank saying, I've, I've had a good life. This is what I want. And Bill being devastated by that. But ultimately doing as Frank wanted versus Ellie and Joel where I think Joel was too afraid to ask her what she wanted. And you can bring in, like, she is a child. I'm not saying he's her adult, but she is a child who is traumatized, so she might not make the healthiest decision. But also, who's making these super healthy decisions in the apocalypse? I'm not sure anybody is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you also have, like, you know, in Bill's letter where he's saying, this is what men like us do. We fight to protect those we love. And it seems like Joel sort of interpreted that in a way that maybe wasn't what 
Phil exactly meant, kind of what he meant, but not exactly mm-hmm. what he meant. Mm-hmm. Because of what the choice he made with Frank. Um, but also if you look at like Ellie and Riley and what happens when, you know, they promise to die together versus Bill and Frank versus Ellie and Joel. I think there's a lot of interesting juxtapositions there. But I think this is where... I want to be very clear here because I think this is where my issue comes in is not even necessarily the end, which I love the ending, but the fan reaction to the ending and especially in the gamer community because I do want to say I am talking a lot about the game too and and maybe even more and I'll try to be clear about that. But that's where a lot of my kind of like hesitation and like defensiveness and anger comes up when I talk about it is more the fan reaction to the ending than the actual ending, Um, which I I like a lot. I think it's very, very haunting. And I saw saw a great article that was like, it's not meant to be triumphant, it's meant to be tragic. Whereas I think a lot of fans who played it felt triumphant at it, which I don't think was intended at all. But you know, I also think, as I was saying, a lot of people do try to justify what Joel did. And there, there are some plenty of good faith arguments, for sure. But there are plenty of bad faith ones. I personally think the fight about the vaccine misses the point about whether or not it would have worked. It certainly implied that it would have. Scientifically, in our real world, I don't think so. But it certainly implied, definitely in the game, that they had run tests. They were pretty confident it was going to work. So I think that misses the point. I think if you're like going into outside, like, well, I don't know, because, you know, in reality, in reality, even though cordyceps could infect us, the likelihood is extremely small. I hope that doesn't come back to bite me in the ass one day. But like, I don't, I don't think that is like a, a good faith argument, in my opinion. And a lot of people are trying to make it. I don't think that's, that's legit. Uh, <laughs> because, yeah, it's not... And I remember I had this conversation with a good friend of mine about it. You're not meant supposed to feel good at, about what you've done at the end. At least that's the vibe I got. You're supposed to be like, oh, God, what have I done? And people seem to be trying to find these ways, especially as players of the game, when you have been playing this character the whole time, you are behind a lot of the the actions that he did as the player that you try and find these ways to make yourself feel better about what you just did, which was like, tragic. And I think another thing that gets lost in this is we do see Joel change. He does become, you know, softer with Ellie, like kinder. He's still very, very violent, but you do see him become kind of this more caring person. But the Fireflies, when he gets there, they have no way of knowing that. Like the last time they saw him, he, he was... I'm pretty sure he had like killed some of their people or at very least was like violent towards some of their people. And, and not to say that they weren't aggressors either, but like they didn't have a good relationship, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and they'd seen him outright not want to take Ellie, kind of throw her around in the show. And so they don't know when he arrives. We do as the viewers, and I get that can be hard to separate, but they don't know that. Marlene... You could argue, especially in the game, has more claim to Ellie than Joel does. But she does seem to sense, and I've been thinking of this, she kind of gets the, the understanding that he does care about Ellie. And I think it's because she's kind of taken aback that he went through all of this effort to travel across the country to get her there. And so she has this sense of like, oh, okay. 
he's really grown grown to care about her. And a lot of people, you know, say like they could have just talked it out. I'm not sure. I personally don't think... I, th- I mean, I think that could have been a good, nice step, but I don't think anybody would have changed their mind or it would have changed the action. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job has got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As we've been saying also throughout this, they did make Joel softer in the show than in the game. They made him more sympathetic. And in fact, uh, somebody who doesn't, who I actually don't know, but I know through a friend, had just played the game, watched the first episode of the show, and was like, wow, they made him so much like nicer. So it, it's apparent. It's not just me. <laughs> it is, it's apparent. Um, and at the same time, they made Ellie and Marlene harder, kind of harsher, which I think they did... For a lot of reasons, but one of the big one is knowing this ending was going to be so possibly very controversial. Um, how are they going to stick behind this character? 
there's also the whole conversation of him, of Joel replacing Sarah with Ellie. So at the end, when he's kind of comparing Ellie to Sarah, and he keeps making these like, oh, but, you know, she was a bit girlier than you. Not that that's a bad thing, um, but you were like this and she would have liked you for this. Like it, it, it has that kind of vibe of he's really trying to both, both remember Sarah, but put Ellie in this role of, of being his daughter. And that idea again of what would he do if he had lost another Sarah, if he loses Ellie, uh, what he'll do without her. Um, and maybe in a way that is not taking into account Ellie so much uh, as compared to himself. Um, he is very traumatized about failing. In his mind, he has failed. He failed Sarah, Tommy, and Tess. So I think that also got tied up in that. But, you know, as we said in that episode, episode six, he doesn't have that conversation about like his anxiety around failing in the game either. There's certainly the the cycle of trauma. He can't see past his own grief, but also, you know, as I said before, the the games do that so well, and I think the show did it so well too, but like when you see one character kills another character, that character now has that trauma, and they go on to cause more trauma, and then they go on to cause more trauma. I do think, and I talked about this more in the survival, the uh, women in survival horror episode, I think that we do as a society excuse men's trauma more easily or like we accept what they do because of trauma, like around violence and anger more easily. And I think Joel is certainly an example of that. I haven't really dived into this with the show, but in the game, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And people love Pedro Pascal. So (laughs) I would not be surprised at all There's also the juxtaposition, which they hinted at in uh, episode eight, of Ellie not really needing a father um, versus Joel realizing that he does need a daughter. And that that kind of coming to to a head uh, and that whole idea of the violent heart, of Ellie having a violent heart, of Joel having this violent heart. And we certainly saw that play out. There is that around that discussion when he's talking about how he um, almost took his own life and he flinched and Ellie says, what, what they said in behind the, the behind the episode thing was, you know, Ellie thinks she's taken the lesson, which is time heals all wounds. Uh, but Craig Meisen, the showrunner said, uh, time fades, people heal. And so Joel is implying like Ellie has healed him and Again, he doesn't know what will happen if if she's gone. And I I also was kind of grappling with what do, what do I think about is he putting too much of his healing on Ellie? Like I kind of get the message, but it's also like he needs to do some he needs to do some inner work. <laughs> he needs to do some things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I think one of the biggest differences is how they portrayed Marlene, which is interesting because she is like the same uh, actress in the game in the right, show. Right. Um, and I don't, th- I don't think she's like different too drastically. It's just more of what they showed about her character in the show versus what they did in the game. Because you do learn a lot more about her in the game. She is another example, I think, of women leading in these like really difficult positions. Because we saw that in episode two with the scientists saying, you know, we've got to bomb everything, realizing... 
It's going to include her. We saw it kind of with Tess in the smaller sense of her kind of trying to rein in Joel and his more violent tendencies. And then you see Marlene, who is having to make this just horrendous choice when this is her best friend's daughter and she was there when she was born and promised to protect her and has been protecting her from afar and having being put in the position to make that choice where it's weighing that versus potentially the survival of humanity. So I think my biggest thing is, because it does often devolve into who was right, Marlene versus Joel. I do think, like, she can, you can see why they both made their decision, right? You can see why she made her decision. You can also see that whole idea of her, like, experiencing loss and not being able to save the ones you love. But I think she's thinking of it, too, in terms of the pandemic. Like, what all the people she's lost to, to this pandemic? What if there's a cure you could save all of these people? It is pretty clear that she knew Anna lied uh, about, like cutting the umbilical cord before she got bitten and kind of takes the chance on Ellie. But I do think people forget that part of it too, is people have lost, everyone has, but people have lost people too infected into the pandemic. And that that's one way to think about it. In the game, she did save Joel, uh, though Joel doesn't know that because the, the Fireflies, a lot of them wanted to just kill him uh, when he showed up because they didn't really trust him. And I kind of wonder if one of the reasons she acted the way she did is she was worried he could talk her out of it, he could talk her out of this decision. Because in the game, she's like, she doesn't, she feels like she has no choice at all. So she's the one that insists he deserves no because he's the only other one who might know what she's going. But she's the one who insists that Joel deserves to know, which is kind of tragic given what happens. But she, she's, she's very adamant, like maybe he knows how I feel, and she didn't really want to be alone. She'd been struggling with all these, like, feelings of inadequacy, of not being a good leader, of depression. Again, if you've, like, just watched the show, you're listening to this, like, what? They don't really show it. But just to give you kind of some backstory of of her. And as we've said throughout this, like, there are no easy answers in The Last of Us. That's kind of the the difficult thing, is that (laughs) there are no easy answers. You leave feeling conflicted. And I, I'm pretty sure I, that's what I'm pretty sure was intended. The complexity and the nuance. You leave feeling conflicted. It's this fan reaction where everybody was like, oh no, I love Joel though. He did the right thing. That kind of gives me anxiety. But <laughs> yeah, again, you get why people make the decisions they do because they've told these stories really well. Um, you get the, it's the same with Kathleen and Henry. You might not agree with the decisions they make, but you get why they did. And it is a hard proposition to base a whole game on our story, uh, just protecting someone who is meant to be, especially in this world, kind of the ultimate example of innocence. And then you get to the end and you think you've been doing that. And it turns out you're delivering her to her death. But I, I agree. I don't think that Ellie would have wanted at all what Joel did. Um, she was struggling with survivor's guilt, so I think she would have wanted to go through with the surgery. And, and neither did ask Ellie what she'd want. I feel like Marlene was like, you know what, we can wake her up right now <laughs> at the end. We can ask her. Uh, but Joel did not go through that, did not want to do that. I think he knew. Uh, and Marlene even said, like, I think you know it. And then Joel 
lies to Ellie. Like they build up this trust and then he lies to her. I think it was more to protect himself than her. Some people would would disagree, but I feel maybe at least both are going on, but he was definitely protecting himself, which breaks the trust. It breaks the trust. Um, And you can see it pretty clear, like when she turns her back, when he doesn't answer about Marlene. And he does. Like, yeah, I think he knew. That's why he couldn't tell her. Um, and, And Ellie kind of forces herself to believe this because the truth is too scary. They did talk about in the behind the show thing, like the Link's parents go for their kids, the lies they'll tell, uh, Marlene Angel, two kids, the kind of unconditional love of a parent. That is this big thought experiment of choosing one person you love over humanity. What would that look like? I do like um, Pedro Pascal called it the horror and the humanity of it. Because <laughs> you again, you get it, but you're like horrified by it that someone could be capable of this in the name of something that should be that we've been often shown to be a good thing, like love and caring for a child. I will say in the game, you don't, at least I didn't, you don't want to kill the surgeon. In fact, you can go through and not have to kill too many people in that final hospital stretch, but it's very difficult. You have to kill the surgeon, though, it won't move on until you do. And Neil Druckmann, who is the creator of the game, said Joel would never have made a different decision, and that's why they left that in there. This is also why some of the gamers get mad. It's like, well, my Joel would never have done that, but you made me do it. <laughs> but the fact is, Joel did it. Um, it's also like how he did it, because if you go back to Tommy's line, he says, you know, there were other ways we could have survived other than violence. We just weren't any good at them. So this is kind of him of Joel reverting back into what he is good at, which is this violence. Because there are plenty of examples of people surrendering. As you said in the game, he does kill the nurses as well. I love games that play with that formula of making you question like how games work and you know going back and looking at what you've done. I have seen a lot of dudes defend Joel by saying basically about Ellie, like, he saved her life, she should be grateful, she should be thanking him. And the the implication is almost like, me as Joel saved your life, you should be thanking me. Um, but these are games that make you question your actions as a player and how games work in general. And I think this show did a really good job of, I again, this is me maybe, uh, I felt like the, capturing the horror of that part of watching something unravel where you thought it was going to go this way and then it doesn't. <laughs> it goes not that way at all. Um, I do think that this story is more nuanced than this, but it is still a pretty like masculine coded way of surviving. Like it's a, you know, masculine dude protecting a young girl through violence. Um, it is the apocalypse, but I, I do think, you know, ultimately there are, elements of that certainly um and there are yeah fans who celebrate the ending because they see it as a display of strength which just like horrifies me and i've also i've said frequently like if you were playing as ellie or if you were playing as marlene which i think for marlene's perspective would be really cool because she went through a lot of stuff to get over there um would you feel the same way if they did that i don't think so i think they wouldn't have gotten the same like positive reaction if they had made this choice that jolted. And I will have more to say about to that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Also, like, I think the name is very fitting because 
the whole game, they're kind of looking for the light. There are a lot of examples of like Ellie being in the light. I know your partner pointed out in like episode two where they're, she's on the kind of that mossy field and Joel and Tess are in the darkness and Tess kind of takes a step forward to the light and Joel stays back. Like that kind of looking for hope um, is a big, big theme in it. And then you get there and the fireflies are this like representative of hope, look for the light and you get there and it's just not what you thought it was. And then what happens when you lose that hope? Um, what happens when you stop looking, when you stop looking for the light, when you've given up on hope altogether? And that's why the moth became a big symbol of it, of like kind of always chasing the light and then never, ever, ever being able to find it. I will say they also gave Fedra and the fireflies more complexity in this and more nuance because they, I feel like in the first one, while you didn't think the fireflies were perfect, they were much more like Fedra is bad, fireflies are good. Uh, whereas in the show, right. they were more quickly like, Fedra's bad, but it's not all bad. And Fireflies are also bad, but not all bad. <laughs> um, I, I mentioned in the last episode, I have heard some complaints around like, I guess it, like it's too quick. It went too quickly. I think that everything they cut out, I get why they cut it out. Because in a game, you have to, quote, do something. I just feel like some people were just mad because it didn't have literally everything <laughs> from the game and the show. But they are different mediums and there's reasons I feel like that I understood why things were cut out. And there are reasons why things were added in. And I did notice when I was looking through this, which didn't surprise me, but the lowest rated episodes on IMDb are the queer ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do... Have some stuff when we get to the second season. Um, that's three years, three years from, from now. now. She's ready. Uh, <laughs> that I'm going to talk about because I know some people, like there's a lot of controversy. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
oldest girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pushing good faith and bad faith around that one, so I just know that I know it. We'll, we, we will talk about it. I wanted to briefly go over some of my favorite moments. <laughs> Very quick. The performances were great. All the performances were great. I loved Pedro Pascal. I loved his anxiety speech. I loved Nico Parker, uh, Storm Reed. I loved Bella Ramsey. And like when she has that massive breakdown in eight was amazing. Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett. So sweet. Um, Lamar Johnson and Kayvon Woodward um, as Henry and Sam. Very moving. Uh, Gabrielle Luna, Rettina Wesley. The voice actors being on there was super cool. That was very, very cool. I loved the sets. I loved the attention to detail. I, I thought a lot of the shots were very beautiful. Basically, everybody that made it happen. <laughs> I love the bloaters and the clickers. It sounds like you're giving a speech as if you just won like, an award for this show that you weren't involved in I but know, love so much. I, <laughs> I want to thank all yes. of the people involved. Let me have my moment. I love the music, which is also from the game, but I also love the music they picked, like Depeche Mode. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. I loved like the opening of the apocalypse, the Bill and Frank thing, the puns, Henry and Sam. I love Maria and Jackson. I'm all the draft, the final shots. Oh my God. But mostly I loved hanging out and sharing this with others. I loved hanging out with you and having this experience. It was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the joy for me outside of this uh, show was the excitement that you had. You looked like you were opening presents on Christmas morning every day that you would come over uh, getting prepared. And you had to come in front, like before everyone else. And I felt like that was for you to get into the environment of mm -hmm. the house so that you could acclimate yes. people coming over. <laughs> is, is that why you yes. did this? <laughs> That's what I felt like was <laughs> happening. Um, the Your excitement, it literally was like watching a kid in the candy store for the first time. It was mm -hmm. delightful. You crying <laughs> all through every, like the episodes and and I think uh, Joey is going to put up a TikTok because I did record you throughout. I did a boomer thing, which we were supposed to have a completely uh -huh. different recording. But then I came back with like recording you because you were from jump in the finale. <laughs> tears. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it was phenomenal. And I looked over and I was like, well, damn. She's ready. Yeah. <laughs> I do love every part of that. Yeah. And this, these, the show was fantastic. I did love knowing the behind the scenes. Thanks to you and your mini playthroughs. Y'all, she's played through this. 
so many times. And she's done it as if she is playing movies for other people. Like her family, her <laughs> friends have come through to watch her play. Mm-hmm. It's quite hilarious. She's had my partner play it so <laughs> yeah. she could watch it like a movie as well. Like the overall, it's been amazing. Oh, and the FYI, did you know that Bella Ramsey's scene where she comes out to Pedro Pascal and like oh, this almost happened was shot a- before her actual kill scene? Like, she had not even done that emotional scene to come and react to it. She reacted to it before she even did it. Like, that's that caliber of acting, holy crap. Like, that it wasn't in, like, uh, chronological order for her to piece that together, but it worked so well, her flow. Uh, we talked about it before. Like, she's going to be winning Oscars soon enough on her own, I'm sure. But yes, the joy in you watching, like it literally, there's a new girl scene in which they talk about how much they love watching someone else doing mm-hmm. something else. And it goes from like, is it's just, I get as much joy out of this, watching you, watching this person, watching this. It was literally me watching you, watching that. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I got the joy, more so than even just the show. Just watching you watching it was Aww. a delight. Well, thank you. I appreciate so much that you shared it with me. You offered up your home. Like, uh, I would want it no other way. It better be with me from now season on. Season two, man. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. It was just so nice. It was so fun. We did marathon it, and I recommend it. Um, the full oh, thing. Oh, we did. And when we say we, I mean her, and I just walked yeah. in and out all the time. And then I was supposed to be doing other stuff, but I got drawn in, so... But it's so good. <laughs> and she cried the entire time. <laughs> I just felt like I had to close the book. Now that it's over, I needed, like, a It was bookends. perfect. But it'll never be over for you. That's true. I'm going to start the second game soon. Um, it's on my calendar. <laughs> I know this was kind of uh, like <laughs> haphazard, just my thoughts all over the place. I, when I tell you I was lying uh-huh. awake at night trying to think of like ways to phrase this, I just didn't want to turn it into too much of a, a thing. But I might come back and like really lay it out because the, people are fighting about this. In a lot of ways, of fun right. ways, but... <laughs> I mean, I think we need to do a spoiler Saturday about Last of Us 2, and you can go into your theories of what's coming. And so that, oh, I can't. Christina no. would have to edit it, who is watching no. it. So never mind. Damn, no. how do we do this? We need to find an edit. Let's make Ramsey, who has been a part of our viewing. Yeah, Let's make him edit it. He said he wanted it. to. Um, he would have some thoughts as well. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to cut and paste and like make you look really bad just for his own sake. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I mean, I've just had such a good time sharing this with you two listeners of like people have written in and even if you haven't watched it or played it and kind of having this thing where I got to really just explode passion about something that I love. Um, and I, I do everything uh, that you love has issues and I have talked about them in previous episodes, but this was kind of more like, I touched on some here, but this was much more a love letter. But just know, um, those exist. I can point you in their in their direction. <laughs> I have a lot to say about the Last of Us. And if you watched the uh, making of on HBO, which again, not a sponsor. If you wait till like the very end, they do kind of a in credit scene, and then it cuts to Neil Druckmann, and he's like, "That's the end of the story," and then it announces. Last of Us Season 2 coming soon. I also love they put this line in there, like, you've come to an end and you don't know what to do next. Yes, I know. 
I've come to an end. I'm playing the second one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but yes, we will see you next time, whenever that will be, where I do, I have a lot to say. And if you think you're conflicted after this one, oh my goodness, I cannot wait. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you're ready. I don't know. I don't don't know know if you're ready. Um, But thank you. Yeah, for those of you who are like, this was so sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm making a face. I'm just making a face. It's twice as long, so it's twice the, the opportunity for sadness, and it makes use of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody. You can write to us at Stephanie and Momstuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast or on Instagram and TikTok, where you can see some of my crying about The Last of Us videos. All the crying. <laughs> At Stuff Mom Never Told You. You can also find us on YouTube. Uh, thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you so much for making all this happen. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.